want to welcome all those by way of television and radio and Facebook to all the United Methodist Church. The next best thing to um, listen very closely. Um, we're small in numbers, but great in quality. And we do welcome you. We appreciate your thoughts and your prayers and your presence. We do thank the local television station and those radio stations and Facebook. Give us a time to minister. And before Mike um, gets too close to the mic, I want to give, I was hoping that Robin's mother would be with us because Robin has made quite an achievement. We're going to want to present her. Mike, would you um, circulate this? I know Georgia wanted to see that. That's quite an achievement that Robin has acquired there. And as we turn in worship, many of you by way of television and radio, you kind of sing along with us. And we appreciate that time that you uh, worship with us and sing with us. Purple number 64, please. Purple number 64. Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty.
as we prepare for our next hymn, You Are My Hiding Place. During our worship service, I get a number of death notifications and texts from our parishioners, and, and Chris just texted me, Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Randy and congregation at Olivet. Hello from Rochester. Just a heads up for the family. Many of you have been asking about Chris Larson's daughter, who's experiencing some real health challenges down in Rochester. Michelle is doing better. Her numbers are going in the right direction. We are now on, on an outpatient basis. We're staying at a local motel together and to all appearances we'll be here for another week or so. Please thank everyone for their prayers and love and care. Hope to see you all of you very soon. Love, Chris. And I think he probably wanted us to mention the third Sunday. The third Sunday coming up next week, that's the, the Legion meal. And also Kim... Larson wanted to be here, and she's experiencing last Sunday, her uncle passed away, and this Sunday she's um, experiencing some COVID experiences, so keep them in your thoughts and prayers as we turn in our purple praise number 17, You Are My Hiding Place. Thank you, O Lord, for this uh, privilege and opportunity to gather in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as we see a country in division and chaos, we also pray for Ukrainians, we pray for Russians, pray for those in the United States. And we pray for our beloved United Methodist Church around the world, including certainly Minnesotans, who've been waiting for a very long time to resolve the United Methodist Church's long time impasse 
over the LGBTQIA plus inclusion. General Conference 2020 is going to be the time to chart a way forward and likely through an amicable separation for the denomination. Today's news of a further postponement of this gathering due to COVID-19 pandemic, while expected, still may elicit feelings of discouragement and frustration that we continue in this prolonged season of waiting and wondering. The Council of Bishops, we pray for wisdom as they discuss the implications of the postponement and how we can move forward as a church, considering issues such as holding jurisdictional conferences for the election of bishops, the disaffiliation process, and a pathway to new expressions of United Methodism and the faith. We pray, Father, for your leading of your Holy Spirit. We pray for the next general conference for our bishop, Bishop David Baird, as he shares so much information and details. And as we continue to engage in this ongoing work of creating a post-pandemic church, the Minnesota Annual Conference is clear about its vision. Congregational expression is vital expression of the scriptural imperatives to grow in wisdom of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. From the adoption of United Methodism and the merger of the Methodist Church and EUB Church back in 68, we've steadily lost many members because of the refusal of those to follow the four core values of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience that guide our shared journey. We are rooted in Jesus, grounded in Wesleyan theology, inclusive of all persons, and engaged in the work of justice and reconciliation under the birth of Jesus Christ and the rebirth of God's Holy Spirit as we make decisions for Christ. And as we live into our vision and embodying our core values means that we are committed to creating a place at the table for understanding, to listening to more voices and, and as we feel marginalized and severed from our connections. Be clear, Lord, we need true discernment in the times that we live in, in the ears, Lord, that we are raised and help, help us to be faithful to the cause of Christ. Help us to be concerned of those in our midst as we remember Chris Larson family and his daughter Michelle and Kim, who I just spoke on the phone to, could hardly speak. And we pray, Father, that you'd continue to strengthen and surround those that are experiencing repercussions of health challenges. We thank you, Lord, for the Reverend Pastor George Groves being with us and his beloved wife's continuous growth and strength. We pray that you continue to mend and restore her body. For others, we pray for, pray for Kathy Krause, who has experienced um, a broken bone in her foot and the other health challenges that she's concurrent with. We, we pray that as we enjoy our beloved administrator here at JOP today, immediately following worship, that you'd guide and direct us in proper use of stewardship of our church. We thank you, Lord, for the continual giving and faithful who pray for us and and financially give to this ministry and for all those who listen so faithfully to our worship service and this is the only worship service that they have and father help us to be led by your spirit help us to truly embody and incarnate that holy holy lord god almighty and father help us to 
truly believe that you are certainly our hiding place. We pray, Father, for the leading of your Holy Spirit, example of prayer that you've given to us as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to call on two of our former Wisconsinites. Mike, if you'd both come at this time. and We invite those by way of television to grab their Bibles. and Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verses 31 and following. It works in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Amen. It's a good thing you're young and in good condition. That would have killed some of us. <laughs> Our scripture reading, as mentioned before, at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I have finished my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often... I had desired to gather your children. Can you say it with me? Gather your children. Gather your children because you're a part of that children. How often Jesus desires to gather you and I as his children. As a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you are not willing Growing up on the farm, I truly know how that is when a hen would give birth to her little ones and we see the, the eggs and hats and the little ones gather under her wings. Jesus says, see, your house is left to you and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning, Mike. The first thing we can notice from our scripture today is not all Pharisees were against Jesus. On several occasions, Jesus had gone to the home of the Pharisees to eat. Now, this was despite some that were vehemently opposed to Jesus, strictly on religious grounds, because they found Jesus' lack of orthodoxy non-religious nature very disturbing remember the apostle Paul himself was a Pharisee when the Pharisees caught up to him he told them to go tell the old fox that he cast out demons and cures people he will finish on the third day this was an obvious uh, reference to his resurrection I thought old fox that's odd 
Why would he call, why would Jesus call Herod an old fox? There are three reasons. First, it was a reference to a small, sneaky animal, and weak animal at that. Second, the word referred to a pest, a destructive animal. And third, it was a reference towards Herod being puffed up, self-important, and an insignificant man. Jesus didn't fear Herod, and bring that message to him would remind him of that fact. Lastly, Jesus said he would finish his course on the third day. Some biblical versions say be perfected on the third day. In 9.9, Herod had actually expressed interest in seeing Jesus because of his popularity, not because he wanted to kill him. Most importantly, referring to the third day, Jesus was announcing his complete, utter victory over Satan's, over Satan's resurrection. In verse 33, Jesus announced that he will not be prevented from accomplishing his mission. The people in Jerusalem had killed prophets, they had a history of it. Specifically, Uriah and Zechariah were killed by them. And they had even tried to kill Jeremiah. But Jesus will pronounce judgment on the city that killed the prophets in verse 34 and 35. In verse 34, we see Jesus repeat the word Jerusalem twice. This signifies great grief and frustration with his home city. The last time Jesus visited Jerusalem, he wept and cried over it. Satan noticed that often people from Jerusalem caused him trouble, and he does his best to end that. Ultimately, who and what comes from that city permanently ends his evil reign. Thank you, Jesus. Furthermore, in verse 34, Jesus lamented the fact that he can't cover the inhabitants of Jerusalem with his protective wings. It's not that he couldn't, it's that the people in Jerusalem wouldn't, and they refused to accept him. In verse 35, Jesus references Jerusalem's forsaken house. He was specifically mentioning uh, 587 BC, when God abandoned Jerusalem, and they were destruct, and Babylonia caused them a lot of destruction. Many were killed, and others were driven into exile from Jerusalem. But a small remnant was followed allowed to return, and the city was rebuilt over time, the Jewish people that came back. But thought about exile, that's bad. Why would God have people exiled from his own city? There's two reasons God allowed the exile from, from Jerusalem of the Jewish people. It was a judgment and a cleansing. Jesus is saying that Jerusalem will once again be left to itself. It had not only rejected God's word, but even rejected God's very son. Now the city will face further self-imposed, I, I emphasize the word self-imposed, danger without any godly assistance. Thank you, Mike. As we examine these, um, how entirely our times are in God's hands, when you go through difficult times, it's hard to um, relinquish our, our feelings and our thoughts, responsibilities into God's hands. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us this lesson by his reply to those who bade him depart because Herod, Herod would kill Jesus. Herod would kill Jesus. He said, Jesus said, I, I cast out demons and devils and I, I do cures today and I do cures tomorrow. And Jesus was mindful of the fact that his time was not yet come for the leaving in the world. Jesus Time and work was not yet finished, and until that time came, it was not in the it was not in the power of Herod to, to hurt Jesus. Just as the enemies that you and I have, 
tried to arm upon us. We might have some. Jesus' time was not yet finished. Until that time came, he was not in the power of Herod to hurt Jesus. Until that work was finished, the work of Jesus was finished, no weapon forged against him would prosper. Now there's, there's something in our Lord's words which, which um, demands the attention of all true Christians. Certainly we want to be attuned to all the words of Jesus and all the statements because we want to grow in our wisdom and our sta- stature and favor with God and man as Jesus did. But there's a frame of mind, a frame of mind which exhibited to us which we should do well to copy. Our Lord, no doubt, spoke with a prophetic, a prophetic foresight of coming things. That's what Lent in the preparation of Easter, the resurrection, Good Friday. It certainly was a bad Friday for Jesus, but it's a good Friday for you and I because when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, we are promised not only abundant life here and now, but eternal life. Jesus knew that the time of his own death, and Jesus knew that this time had not yet come. Foreknowledge. Foreknowledge like this, of course, is not granted to believers in this present day. But still there is a lesson here which we ought not to overlook. We ought, in a certain measure, to to aim at having the mind that was in Christ Jesus. My daily prayer, have the mind of Christ and the decisions that I make and my parishioners and my followers, my onlookers and onlisteners. There is still a lesson here which we ought not to overlook. We, we ought in a certain measure to aim at having this mind of Christ Jesus. We ought to seek to possess a spirit of calm in these very turbulent and uncertain times. We ought to seek to possess this spirit of calm. Can you say that prayer with me? Call me, Jesus. Call me, Jesus. We ought to seek to possess a spirit of calmness, unshaken, unshaken confidences about things to come. We should study to have a heart not afraid, not afraid of tidings, but a quiet spirit, a steady spirit, a heart to trust in the Lord according to the psalmist in the 62nd Psalm, verse 7. Now, delicate one, but but one which concerns our happiness so much that it, it deserves our consideration. We are not intended to be fatalists. We are not intended to be idle fatalists like the Mohammedans and other various cults. Or We're not intended to be cold or unfeeling statues like the, the Stoics. We're not to neglect the use of mean or to omit all prudent provision for the unseen future. To neglect means is fanaticism and not faith. But still, when we have done all, we should remember that though duties are ours, you have a duty, I have a duty, duties are ours, but events, events are God's. Very, very important point. Duties are ours. We are called to a certain duty. We are commissioned as Christians. In the military, we are commissioned to certain rules and regulations. But events are always of God. We should... Therefore, endeavor to leave things to come in God's hands and not to be over-anxious about our health, over-anxious about our family, over-anxious about our money, or over-anxious about our plans. To cultivate 
This frame of mind would add immensely to our peace. How many of our cares and, and how many of our fears are about things which, which never come to pass? Happiness is that person who can walk in our Lord's steps. All anticipatory things that were to happen to Christ, and yet he had that peace and that tranquility and that calmness. We are called to walk in our Lord's steps and, and say, I shall have what is good to me. I shall have what is good to me. I shall have, and I shall live on earth till my work is done, till my work is done, and not a moment longer. I shall be taken when I am ripe for heaven, and not a minute before. All the powers, all the powers of this world cannot take away our lives till God permits. All the physicians of earth cannot preserve it when God calls us away. Is there anything beyond the reach of us in, in the spirit? Surely not. Believers have a covenant. Believers truly have a covenant ordered in all things and sure the very hairs, the hairs of our, our heads are numbered. Those numbers grow smaller as the years go by. But the very hairs of our head are numbered. Their steps are ordered by the Lord and all things are working together for their good. When they are afflicted, it is for their profit. When they are sick, it is for some wise purpose. All things are said to be theirs, life, death, things present and things to come. As 2 Samuel chapter 30, verse 33, verse 5, and Matthew chapter 10, 13, in the Psalms, Hebrews, John chapter 11, 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 22. There is no such thing as chance. There is no such thing as luck. There is no such thing as accident in, in the life of a believer. There is but one thing needful in order to make a believer calm and quiet and needful, in order to make a believer calmness, quietness, this unruffledness, this undisturbedness in every position and under every circumstance. That one thing is faith. That one thing is faith which is an active exercise. That one thing is faith in active exercise. For such faith, for such faith, let us pray daily. Few indeed know anything of it. The faith of most believers is, is very fitful and very finds itself in a sense of spasm and launched in the midst of time. It's for want of a steady, constant faith that as few can say with Christ, how shall walk today. As Jesus said, I shall walk today and I shall walk tomorrow and, and I, not, I shall not die until my work is done. And let us learn for another thing from these verses how great, how great the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ towards sinners. That should be our ultimate concern for ourselves and, and others. Those by way of television, and by radio and Facebook and other means of communication. And we praise the Lord for those who make this possible. We see this brought out in a, in a most forcible manner by our Lord's language about Jerusalem. Jesus knew well that, that the wickedness of that city, and we know the wickedness of our country and our world. He knew what crimes had been committed there in times past. Jesus knew what was coming on himself at the time of his crucifixion. Yet even in Jerusalem, he says, how often, how often would I have gathered 
thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. It grieves the Lord Jesus Christ to see sinners going on still in their wickedness, in their high and lofty ways, having a pretense of religiosity, flaunting their church activity. As I live, are his words, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Let all unconverted people remember this. It's not enough that they, they grieve their parents or their ministers, their neighbors, their Sunday school personnel and their friends. There is one that is higher than all of these whom they deeply grieve by their conduct. They are daily grieving Christ. The Lord Jesus is willing to save sinners. He reminds us he is not willing that any should perish, but that, that all should come to repentance. Come to repentance. Jesus would have all saved and come to the knowledge of the truth according to 2 Peter chapter 3, 9 and 1 Timothy chapter 2, 4. This is a mighty principle of the gospel, the good news of Christ, and one which sorely perplexes the narrow-minded and the shallow theologians. But what says the scripture? What says the scripture? The words before us, no less than the text, just quoted are, are very distinct and expressive. I would have gathered my children. I would, would have gathered my children, says Christ. And you would not. You would not. The will of, of poor, hardened, unbelieving people and not the will of Christ is the cause why sinners are lost forevermore. Christ would save them, but they will not be saved. Let the truth before us sink down into our hearts and bear fruit in our lives. Let us thoroughly understand that if we die in our sins and go to hell, our blood will be upon our own heads. We cannot lay the blame on God the Father, nor on Jesus Christ the Redeemer, nor on the Holy Ghost that's our eternal comforter. The promises of the gospel are wide and the promises of the gospel are broad and general. The, the readiness of Christ to save sinners is unmistakably declared. And if we are lost, we should have none to find fault with but ourselves. The words of Christ will be our condemnation. Ye will not come unto me that ye might have life, according to John chapter 5, verse 40. And in closing today, as you listen and learn from scriptures and tradition and reason and experience, let us take heed with such a passage as this before us that we are not more systematic about our understanding of scripture. It is a serious thing to be wise above that which is written. Our salvation is holy of God. Let that never be forgotten. None but the elect shall be finally saved. John chapter 6, 44 says, No one, no one can come unto Christ except the Father draws him. But our ruin, our ruin, if we are lost, will be holy of ourselves. We shall reap the fruit of our own choices. We shall find that we have lost our own souls. Linked between these two principles lies truth, which we must maintain firmly and never let go. There is a doubtless mystery. There is a doubtless deep mystery about it that our minds are too feeble to understand it now, but we shall understand it 
in the hereafter. God's sovereignty, the sovereignty of God and, and our responsibilities shall appear perfectly, harmoniously one day. But in the meantime, whatever we doubt, and whatever we doubt, let us never doubt, let us never doubt Christ's infinite willingness. Father, we are so grateful for your love of us, for the peace that you bring to us. We ask, O oh Lord, for any forms of uncleanliness in our spirits. Satan is a liar. God is the truth to Jesus, the truth, the life, and the way no one cometh to the Father except to the Son, Jesus. Help us to view the lies of leadership in our country and the, the deception. We pray for the Ukrainians. We pray for the Taiwanese. We pray for and come against those socialism and communist systems that, that want to run our lives, the demonic that's so prevalent in our world. Give us the mind of Christ. Help us to see the uncleanliness of of the spiritual warfare that we deal with every every day. Help us to put on the, the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, with heads bowed and hearts in prayer. May we pray this prayer. prayer. Dear Jesus, eliminate, O Lord, any uncleanliness in my spirit, in my will, in my behavior. Give me the mind of Christ. Save me, O Lord, from my sins. For your body was broken. Your blood was shed for me. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we move on into our worship service, as the offerings are taken up this morning, let us turn to our offertory prayer in preparation to our offertory hymn. And if you'd be so kind to turn in your bulletins to our offertory prayer, and if you'd pray this prayer with me. Generous God, as we travel this Lenten journey, allow us to walk beside Jesus as he makes his journey into Jerusalem. As we offer our gifts this morning, may it be our way of saying we won't turn away from the problems and the conflicts of the world. But like Jesus, we will walk towards him. All we take for the journey is the compassion, mercy, and sacrifice that he carried, moving towards what waited in the holy city. We journey in Christ's steps, and pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. If you turn with me to our offertory hymn, In the Cross of Christ I Glory, purple number 295.
Thank you. Would you please stand with me for the doxology? prevalent in our society and throughout our country and our land and world. And as we offer our tithes and our offerings to you this morning, we pray that we may give the confidence and assurance of those fully convinced in our promise of resurrection. Help us to experience our generosity as those who have no need to hold back or hedge our bets. May we live our days giving freely of our love and our grace and our praise of thee not as those who have the hope of salvation only, but the promise, it is a promise. In Christ we pray, amen.